They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. Okay, so what else have you vac-sealed that's not food? Oh, heaps, like clean undies for an overnighter, for instance. Vac-sealed underpants? Yeah, 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 it's great. Like, they stay nice and dry, and with a pinch of fresh lavender, it's almost like you're opening a new pair straight out of the packet. Oh. What if I told you, Andy, that this is the single most brilliant thing you've ever done and you're ever going to do? That in years to come, this will be your legacy? What, and not my cooking hot dogs in a kettle? Hmm. Perhaps both will stand the test of time. Oh, God. Ready? Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Good day, fishos, and welcome to the Tinny for another week as we continue, for the time being anyway, in a pretty serious and slightly disturbing monsoon break, Andy. It's, it's, it really is a double-edged sword, this last couple of weeks of no rain. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent break, isn't it? I hope it's just a break. People talking about, oh, is this the start of the dry season? I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Okay, that's, well, that's nonsense. It shouldn't be said, actually. No, no, this isn't the start of the dry season, nor is it the start of the build-down. We can say that categorically, and any talk of such things is just nonsense. Yeah. However, uh, while monsoon breaks are excellent, here's the... Do you call it the sharp end of the sword when it's the good side, or the blunt end, the blunt side? Uh, Here's one side of a sword that's sharp on both sides. Oh, that's early in the show and I'm confused I know, I already. Sorry, look. <laughs> on one side of the sword... Yes, a double-edged sword. Correct. There's yes. two edges. Got it. On one side, this is awesome because it's these breaks where Johnny on the spot can go out and get a mini runoff. Yes, right? okay. Yep. On the other side, if this is it, this is going to be the crappest runoff ever. Like, we need another monsoon coming right up its bum. Yeah, mm. we do, we do. Anyway, how have you been coping with it? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Um, the boat still hasn't been on the water for 2022, so I guess you could say I've got sort of a variety of bait balls. Um, it was Valentine's Day this week, of course, so she's getting an aluminium floor and a, and a subtle but practical T-top canopy. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it's my way of saying that, that I love you. It's, it's been seven years, Tim, since we met. How many years have you been married? Uh, oh, married um, to my wife, 13 years. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, look, the talk of the town this week uh, in Darwin, Tim, is the Chief Minister's outlook for the future of the Northern Territory. Is, I mean, it, is, it, is that actually what they're talking about at the front bars? That's what they are talking oh, about. Okay, true. The, the nomads, the bar people, the whole lot. Um, yeah, and yep. it's, it's always exciting because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit sort of future focused. I'm a bit of a strategic type punter. <laughs> it's exciting for no one but political pundits and you. Well, I, I do sort of get excited, though, about some of these grand predictions. You know, we're talking now about surf parks and underwater 3D-printed coral. Yeah, heard uh, that. Rockets launching out of Arnhem Land. And, you know, w- what sort of grounds me then is the thought that no matter how the economy performs or, or which of these promises come true, regardless of how much rain we've had over the wet season, you know, regardless of what the inflation rate is or how thick your schnitzel is or whether you like pork dumplings or prawn dumplings, mm. regardless of all of that, There'll always be a barra to catch somewhere in the Northern Territory's rivers and oceans of gold. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? That makes you smile. It, it makes me warm, tingly, smiley, and a happy human. Wow, man! That, I mean, that was that was amongst the most profound things you've contributed. We started with confusion, and then to a pr- profound dissertation from the lectern. And may that be your legacy, along with vac-sealed um, underpants that smell like. Um, Lavender, well done. Here, here. Uh, plenty ahead on today's show, folks. We're, we're going to talk about balancing a barra on a bicycle after a midnight moonlit <laughs> popper session within eye shot of the CBD. See, this is part of what I just spoke about. <laughs> this is that dream that doesn't depend on promises. Balancing a, bice- a, a barra on a bicycle, yeah, did a, you say? A cu- uh, couple of barras, actually. Okay. Mm. In fact, that's not the only land-based success you're going to hear about today, uh, Fishos. Mm. 
You're going to hear about some personal bests and other adventures out at Shady Camp, um, the fruits of the last big rains, of course, continuing to flow downstream. I'm actually going to share a personal tip, uh, Tim, <laughs> Yeah. On how to injure yourself um, and saltwater sink your favourite fishing rig. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> on, on a quiet Sunday night's land base flicking. So, you know, we did we did reference last week that roller coaster that that gives this show colour. Um, I'm sort of going to give you a little bit of the lower part of that roller coaster, <laughs> which is going to make the higher parts of the show yeah. seem even better. Yeah, as a general rule, what we we kind of rely on you fishos to have to, to be the peak at the top. Yeah. As you're just looking down, you know, that where the adrenaline is firing up, Correct. where you're going to about to head down the big part of the roller coaster, where the vomit starts coming out, and then and it's still kind of midair, as you zoom your face through it down at the bottom of that hill of the roller coaster. That's Andy Wharton's um, contribution to the tinny. Yeah, or to put it in say a, a Queen type musical example, um, we are not the champions. Indeed, you, you out there mm. are. The okay, champions. so you, we can look forward to plenty of that. <laughs> you can. Great. Of course, we've got your hoys. We're going to give away some stickers. So. Come aboard this decrepit excuse for a marine vessel <laughs> and come with us for a journey on the tinny. It'll be fine. Trust us. <laughs> it's Trust gonna be, us. It's, it's going to be okay. It's got, everything is going to be fine. Just buy your ticket and hop on the roller coaster. Don't sit anywhere near Andy Wharton. Just said 40 pound lead is not the go away and they just start laughing at me. And before I knew it, it was up jumping around in the spread, so that, that, was, that was pretty good. There was discussions of nappies, so we didn't have to stop for a wee. Tales from the Tinny. Warren DeWitt is the Ayatollah of the DKVR. He is the El Presidente of Afant and proprietor of Rodden Rifle uh, Tackle World. Beard joins us this week too for a chat um, with the Ayatollah. But just before we get to that, chaps, I wanted, I think it was remiss of Beard and Andy last week not to acknowledge an important moment that happened um, just recently from what many would regard as one of one of the better uh, recreational fishermen in the top end who takes out all the comps. He went out of his way on the tinny a couple of weeks ago to acknowledge his um, forefathers, Warren, and I, I, I think it's important that, that you... You hear the acknowledgement. I've actually learnt this from Warren talking about this um, years ago. Obviously, because we're getting so much rain, the floodplains do their thing, all the bait starts to breed. But the worst thing, obviously, when the rain stops, the sun comes out and the floodplains start to cook and all the bait fish dies off. So then that natural cycle is not going to happen. It must feel good, Warren, for the young folk to be acknowledging their forefathers, their forebears, and what they've learned from them. <laughs> yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Yes, it is good to hear that they're at least acknowledging us old fellas. And, and, uh, you had something to contribute us... back in the day, didn't you? Yeah, well, we, well, we tried to. Yeah, we were sort of breaking new ground, mate, back in the day. It was it was good fun. And, and obviously you were going to places that not too many people had ever fished before. And it was, uh, you know, it was exciting to go to areas that uh, had basically been unfished or undiscovered. And what Shane attributed to, to learning from you there is, is still relevant and particularly relevant now, the, the, the floodplain mullet bake factor. Where are we, how, would you, how would you assess the mullet baking factor up on the floodplains now that it hasn't been raining in a couple of weeks and, and no. some of those rivers are dropping? A bit concerning, to be honest with you, um, because it's been dry for about a week and a half or so now, and we're starting to go into what I'd call a little mini runoff, to be honest with you. And um, talking to guys who have been out and having a look around, and the rivers are all dropping back down quite quickly, and the waters are coming off the floodplain. So if you really want to go out and have a have a crack before it gets too low, um, I would certainly recommend going out this weekend or, or in the next week or two and giving it a giving it a lap because it's not going to last too long if we don't get any more follow-up rain. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? it? You can be Johnny on the spot and take advantage of these mini little sessions if you're in the right place at the right time as the rivers are dropping. But if we want if we want to look forward to a really good runoff, we don't want that to be happening now. We want it to be raining and keeping the water up on the floodplains, right? No, exactly. Exactly. Like the Victoria River is very low at the moment and we haven't had the, the rain out there to put it out onto some of those creeks. And, and of course, the Vic is very uh, quick in its runoff. It doesn't last very long, and, and it's already basically back down to a normal level. And, and people who are going out there and going trying to go up the Bains are not even able to get up inside the Bains at the moment because it's so shallow. So 
it is a little bit concerning. We need to see the wet season get back into gear again and come back through. Um, having said that, if you are sort of going out, there's been some good reports of people catching fish. Even in the Casson River here now, we're down to a good level. Um, all the weirs and all the rock bars are starting to work and guys are coming in saying they're catching fish at most of the places now as well. So the opportunity's there now um, and you need to get out there and take advantage of it before maybe the rain comes back again or it could be the end of it. I hope it's not, but, you know, fingers crossed we're going to get some more rain in March. Warren, what have you heard from uh, from the daily over the weekend? Because we know it was dropping. It was at a pretty nice little level, uh, and we know a few fishers went down there. What have you heard about that? Some of the people are catching fish down there, but it, but February has always been the the hardest month to catch fish. It's been one of those times when it's always too early, um, and and the fish are not up in the systems as yet. They're still travelling, maybe, or coming inside the river mouths and moving up inside. Uh, to start feeding on the creeks. And most of them, most of those fish would know when the right time is to come into the river system or not come in at all if there's not enough bait coming off those floodplains. So February's been a really tough month every every year that I've ever fished um, up here in the Territory. February's been the hardest time, normally because it's too flooded um, and we blame that the, there's so much water up in the floodplain. But it, but even at the moment, there's not a lot of fish coming at the turning up at any of the creeks and, and feeding off any of the bait that's coming off the floodplains. And there's not a lot of bait. And as uh, Tim alluded to there before, the mullet um, haven't moved up inside the rivers as yet as well. If the mullet's not moving up there and you don't have, um, you know, other kinds of bait come off the floodplains, you've got to ask yourself, well, where, why would the fish be there at all? Why am I doing no, exactly. this? Why, why am I wasting my life chasing these fish that aren't even there? Why? <laughs> Because we're opt- optimists and we like, we want to get out there and have a look. And, I'm recovering from COVID, know. man. There's sorry, that, that was a bit pessimistic and a bit negative. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll come good. It's just a matter of trying. But look, there's been a few fish caught, caught up on the South Alligator. A few blokes that I've been talking to, they've been up there fishing and saying that they've been getting a few up there. So the South's not too bad. It's very low. You people need to be aware of that sandbar at the front of the boat ramp because that's going to catch a few people if you go out there and and there's no water to, to launch with. So just make sure you check your tide times and that you can get in and get out on the right tide. But, yeah, there's been a few fish getting caught downstream. Um, I was talking to a bloke the other day who was going down the roper and he hit two fish. One was 90 and one was 80 with his prop. And, and they were the two of the big, they were the biggest fish he caught that day. <laughs> and he turned around and picked them up um, because they were floating up on the surface. But he... But he made a comment and said, mate, there must be a lot of fish coming up the river uh, for that to happen. So yeah. maybe the fish are moving in now. Yeah. Um, and he, he was quite um, stunned to think that he did too. And, I and to they do were it twice, yeah. Not, yeah, not close proximity. One was um, well upstream and the other one was well downstream. But he was just travelling from one place to the other. And, and, you know, when you hit something, you turn around and look. And he looked back and he could see the white belly of a a fish floating up on the surface, so they spun around and went back and netted it, and one was 90 and the other one was 82, I think he said. Jeez, that's good fishing, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is good fishing if you can hit it with your prop, I suppose. But obviously, there's some good fish coming up the river systems, I suppose, and, and that's normally what does happen in February. Um, those fish are starting to make their way up so inside, we hope, and, and set, set themselves up ready for the runoff. Um, as it as it starts to get later into March, it'll start to fire up more and more. I hope. Yeah, fingers crossed all round for uh, another good burst of the monsoon. Thanks, Warren. All right, boys, all the best. You can do that any way you like via phishing at abc.net.au, which is the email address, or ABC Tars and the Tinny on Facebook. You could try calling 1300 Mullet. It's manned by Nev, so he's normally not there and on the booze. You probably heard about this one during the week, Fishos, but in case you did miss it, another croc attack on a boat out in East Arnhem. Jason Charles was doing an overnighter on the Cato River uh, out of Nullumboy. This is his post-attack report of, uh, of how it went down. I was sleeping in the back here at 5 o'clock in the morning. Got woken up to a 5-metre crocodile attack on the boat. There's his tooth there's gone in there. Mouth's gone all the way around here. 
all the way around there and busted off my water intake. He's smashed my housing. Teeth marks there. Destroyed all the top of the cowling. Tried to crawl up the side here. He's had a real red up go at it. I've never been so shit scared in my life. Shook the boat. Dave was camped up the river about 200 metres and he thought a shotgun had gone off. And then I turned the light on, the torch on, and he was sitting near at the back of the boat, just looking at me, and I reckon his head would have fitted in a wheelbarrow. He was a monster. But anyway, that's Kato fishing in the territory. Hope it doesn't happen again. Bloody hell. Like, wasn't it only last year, Tim, that another fisho's motor got chewed on the Kato? Yeah, I think Same it was. Same sort of thing, teeth marks either side of the, the cowling cover. He, he said he soiled himself when it happened. Mm. But one church member actually suggested uh, that it's more likely you'd pucker in such a situation. In fact, so hard that you probably wouldn't need a number two for a, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Either way, in this case, I mean, I think we have to trust the victim, what he reports as the accuracy of his personal bowel movements. It's not for us, you know, to judge that you wouldn't have pooed, you would have puckered. We're which, not qualified for that. No, we aren't. And w which, which either way you reacted to that situation, uh, they're both... Perfectly natural, perfectly healthy, and perfectly understandable. Mm. <clears throat> Some nicer news from out that way, Tim. Got a hoy from the Spiro family, the Deans, out at Nullumboy over the weekend. Aren't they hardcore? Oh, yeah. They got into some wrecks out there for some dewies, trout, and some blue bone. Um, Valentine's Day came early, they said. <laughs> Where else would I rather spend it than hunting around a wreck chasing dewies with my love? Oh, isn't, that, isn't that... Isn't that... That's, it's that's just gorgeous. Lovely. Anyway, you can see the pictures on Facebook fishos. Um... Uh, and young Fraser there has a stonker of a blue bone in his hand. What, what a fish. Yeah, what, they're, what they're a, all good fish. What a family. Few boats out at Shady over the weekend. Heard from one Teb stalwart Haggis. That's, this is the less poetic of the Haggises that yes, we know yes, of the tinny. I know the one. Uh, got there Saturday morning at half past five. The line had already started and car park was half full at half five in the morning. Oh, yeah. Got to the mouth. Ten boats there already with boats arriving every few minutes. Didn't hang around there for long as the fear of crowded lines pushed us out. So headed over to Tommy Cut. People there were catching 60s and 70s on the run out. Lot of, lots of action on, um, on, on the, in the creeks on the run out. At the turn, everyone trawled the mouth. Uh, saw a 90 centimetre barra jump out two metres from the boat with a bright green lure in its mouth, oh. but no one with it on their line. Does that mean the schools of lures are in? That's hard. It's, <laughs> it, it's hard to watch. Seen some kids pull out a fat 89 and a few others getting pulled out um, too far away to tell. I just got rats, though. My mate got a solid 79. Had overheating engine issues again, so headed back slowly and saw about 30 boats on the way back. I'd say most had left by that time, though. All the action was over. Sunday was even busier, apparently, and we've got some reports of um, some more reports of how it fished over the weekend for you coming up. Yeah, including the fact that there were no pop-up cast deck toilets spotted this week out there. Yeah. It seems our discussion the other week might have made whoever it was even more prone to stage fright. Yeah, we've, we've struggled to track them down. From, I don't know why. Why yeah. wouldn't you want to come on and tell the Church of the Tinny yeah, that's right. how it's you use a pop-up toilet on your boat? It's a safe place. It's a very safe and place. And the offer remains open. Everything is going to be fine. Fine. A couple of heads up from NT Infrastructure and Planning. Some boat ramp repairs that have been happening at Mackenzie Arm Creek, end of Javelin Road, uh, Dundee Downs. Ramps have been closed since Wednesday and will continue to be till the weekend, till the 19th. Same goes for the Lizzie River pontoon. Uh, they've been onto it since Wednesday, fixing, fixing it up a bit. Closed between midday and 5pm until the 19th as well. And finally... Talk this week, Tim, about setting up a dam-to-dam -dam style tinny race here in the top end. Yeah, why hasn't it happened already? Well, why are mm. we leaving that to Kununurra? Mm. Kai Rikers is a local fella. He normally competes in the annual Kununurra comp, but this year, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, access to WA is looking a bit tricky. So he's put a call out, um, started on a Facebook page, and, and says it just might be a thing to do up here. He spoke with ABC Darwin's Liz Travaskis this week. I think the only real appropriate place for it to happen would be, would be at Manton Dam, just in that uh, that ski area already. So we've got a ski area at Manton Dam where people go pull tubes and do their, um, obviously their jet skis and, and stuff like that. So that would probably be the safest place to do it. Um, or maybe, I don't know, even at the Beer Can Regatta, maybe set up a couple of circuits. Yeah, nonsense. Couldn't you forge the cutting back open between Sampan and Tommy Cut? Yes. 
or run, you know, get some exe- some Salvinia, Salvinia-based exemption and run from Yellow Waters down to the top of the south. I mean, there'd be some hectic country through there. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't there? Oh, what about Lake to Lake in Durak? What about Lake to Lake? Jumping from one lake you to another. You see those videos on, fa- on Facebook all the time of old mate who just jumps over a sandbank. Yeah. Full noise. Yeah. Yeah, you could just hit it, jump over the suburb of Rosebury and land in the next lake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be sick. I'm loving it. <laughs> God, I'd be right up it. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. Well, it seems we can't go a week without heading out to Chambers Bay and discussing who caught what on what and how and stuff. But this week, there's good reason for it. Neap tides, there's a decent break in the weather and the rain. Mid-February, it's kind of those conditions where you just try to be that Johnny. You try to be the Johnny, the Johnny on the spot, as the river levels, or well, some of them anyway, start marginally dropping. An excellent time to, to go and jump in the conga line. Oh, can you think of anything better? Just jump in the line, baby, with a billion others. Get boogie. Chuck a line out, crack a beer, dodge, you know, 15 other boats as you try to stay just on the edge of the drop of the channel, out of the mouth. Tristan Sloan answered the call of the drums and headed out on the Sunday to battle with the crowds. And despite all the hip-shaking and cocktails, ended up doing uh, pretty well. Tristan caught a bunch of threadies. We're hearing they're pretty thick out there at the moment. How you doing, Tim? Yeah, fabulous, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Mate, That I'll, I'll, I'll be blunt here. I'd rather poke myself in the eyes with hot needles than actually join the conga line. Oh, did you run from this? Did you run? Did you, you <laughs> ran from the drums? No, it was, it, was, it was very simple. My wife, at about 10 o'clock on, uh, on uh, Saturday, asked me what I was doing for the day. And I said, oh, I was going to do housework trying to be, you know, the good boy to build up some brownie points, and she told me to go fishing. Now, without question, the the, the boat was packed in the other driveway in about 30 seconds flat. You know, the pit stops in Formula One. Is it, is it, is it, is it, are you that <laughs> at doing the dishes and sweeping? You're that, you do that poor a job, she'd rather get you out of the house while she does it. Crafty, Look, so I crafty. Was, I think she was expecting if she did me a favour, I'd buy a big, you know, bunch of chockies and flowers for Valentine's Day. So yeah. it worked out well. So to, you, to, to be fun. So, <laughs> you, so you were gone. How did you work the tides, mate? We always fished the pushing tide there because that's when um, you know the flood waters back up and the, and the still drops out for a couple of hours. And the fish, you know, Barrow being the lazy buggers they are, generally trying to, to jump on the on the sushi train on the on the tidal wave and push their way up river. And and this time of year, on, on Saturday, low tide, I think it was about 11.30, which means the change was at 12.30. So we had plenty of time to get the shady camp, mosey our way down river, uh, and wait for the push. And look, I'll, I'll be blunt, mate. When we got there, it was like, um, you know, the spending charmada. There would have been 70-plus boats churning the water, the phone, up and down, to the point where some boats are almost tailgating each other. You know, you can reach out and touch the the, the, the persons in front of you outboard. So it was complete chaos, mate, which immediately made me a little bit nervous about our chances of extracting some um, some quality protein. All the boat traffic pushes the fish to the edges where there's less boats driving up and down on them. Disappointingly, we probably threw vibes for two and a half hours without a single hit. This was about 2.30, and the boats just gradually petered off. You know, they'd obviously been there all day, and we had a chat to a few guys I recognised from the Tinny Faithful who said they hadn't even seen a fish caught. Yeah. Um, so things were looking pretty grim. About 2.33, um, after, you know, getting RSI in the shoulder from throwing vibes for hours, I decided I'd just do a couple of trial runs and then join the crowds back at the, at the boat ramp. And 200 metres in on the side scan, Mate, we came across a huge school of threadies moving up river, um, and it was on. Yeah, I'm not sure where they came from. Whether they're pushing from the tight ends in a bite, uh, or whether they were sitting there the entire time and switched on once the boat traffic had disappeared. And I think that was probably more the case, mate. I think um, I think the band of threadies out there, when there's a lot of boats, can get very boat shy. Yeah, uh, and when they disappear, when the boats disappear, uh, the fish decide they're hungry. So, yeah, so you just waited it out. So how was the thready fishing? Yeah, we got we got six fish 
in in about an hour, and we jumped off across uh, well, probably two or three big barra. Unfortunately, um, the three in the barriers weren't really aggressive; they weren't really whacking their lures. And the barrier that we did see when it, or the barrier we saw when it jumped, clearly had the hooks on the top of its head. So they were probably just bashing them with the side of the head. They weren't weren't aggressively feeding. Yeah, yeah Roger. And if yeah. you if you outweighted everyone else to go home before this happened, I mean, you, you've already said it was likely because of less boat traffic. But tide wise, that would have been mid incoming by then, wouldn't it, or close to it? Absolutely, mate. Two thirty three o'clock is when they when they bit. Yeah, halfway through the running tide, which generally the first hours when they bite, hour and a half. Yeah. So it was, it was certainly a lot later in the tide cycle. But the water was very clear. There's plenty of flood water pushing down. Um, lots of bait pushing up the river. There was heaps of big diamond scale mullet. So everything looked really fishy. I just think the sheer number of boats just put put them off the bite. How was the sounder looking, um, you, you know, while the conga line um, was on? Were you were you marking the fish? Yeah, well, because we were sitting on the side just vibing. I was just up the back looking at the sounder. Every so often you'd see a big fish swim through you know, in, in ones or twos, which were clearly barra unless they were jewfish. They, they were big fish. And we could see the diamond scale mullet pushing up the edge of the sand, making the dirty water line as well. Mm. So we knew we were fish there, and that's why we stuck around. But they had locked your mate. And as I said, strong suspect was just simply due to the large volume boats pushing up and down. And we see this everywhere. You see it in Shoal Bay. You see it in, you know, top of the south. You even see it in the daily as well. When they get highly pressured, and there's a lot of boats moving up and down on, they'll just stop eating. Speaking of which, mate, were you tempted by the daily last weekend? Because I know it was one of those weekends for a lot of wreck fish shows who were torn between the two. Yeah, I, I really was, mate. And I do know a good man of mine went down there and actually got a few. Um, and it, it was interesting. So maybe a month ago, most of the fish were small. You know, 60s, 50s, you know, uh, little swampy rats that obviously been pushed out of um, the billabongs when the river started to drop a bit. But these are much better fish. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell his story and um and I probably said too much already. <laughs> but uh in retrospect we probably should have went to the daily. So you're yeah. not you're not gonna name this dude nor tell us specifically where he or she was catching and when precisely. We're not not at all, mate. I want him. No, I want him to take me fishing. Nothing. I'm not gonna spoil that. <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. Thanks for t- giving us an update on Shady, mate, and hope you can steer clear of the uh, conga line for some time to come. Mate, I think I'll be a, a midweek uh, fisherman for the next couple of months if I can. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of the conga lines. They're, they're a bit a bit homogenous. Yeah, the music. this music makes it easier, though, doesn't it? Makes it funner, don't you think? It dampens the pain, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's an egg. Let's it's a dan- let's, it's, it's a, let's it's, settle on that. Yeah, it's like an anis- it's an anaesthetic of sorts. That's all. It just makes it less crap. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Bush took it. I found somebody that's done their PB fish, and we're going to talk to it now. And this is Di. She went out on a charter with Estuary Escapes. So, Di, tell me about your day. You've got a big fish. Went out to Shady Camp. A friend of ours got a um, fish early on. It was his first ever. And um, not long after that, I hooked up with, with this huge fish. What sort of lure are you using? Are you want willing to share? I'm not really into my lures too much. Um, <laughs> it had hooks. Um, it, it, it looked like bait. Oh, that's um, good. Well, it obviously and, did, didn't and, it? It caught you a big fish. How big was it? 97 centimetres. Oh, that's fantastic. I had a goal for the day of doing a metery and getting into the metery club, but... Um, didn't quite happen. Three centimetres short. Is that your first or second time? Have you been there before? Oh, I've only fished in that location twice. You're very cagey about where you were, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you might be like that. <laughs> Maybe you might want to share that with me later. Mm. Anyway, that's great, Di. We're really happy. 
So you going back out? Uh, yeah, as soon as I can pull a sickie or have a day off. Or... You're looking really sick, Di. <laughs> just wanted to say. Well, there it is, Fishos, an intimately dissected fishing trip with that location triangulated and on a lock somewhere in the vicinity of Shady on the troll. Look out, Di, the hordes are coming for you. And have a listen, because we just have to, don't we, to the noises that came out of the mouth when that all went down. Wait for it. Oh, wow. Wow, that's traumatic. It's it's like a horror movie, isn't it? It's traumatic. But but I don't know if you can pick this up, Fishos. I'll play it for you one more time, because in the background you can actually hear Di not only screaming in horror... um, but the stomping of the, the giddy stomping of the feet that goes along with it. It's like a a little dance. It's the scream and then that's the, the stomping of the feet as she does the crazy thing. Oh Well, it's certainly worth it. A hell of a good fish and well done to you, Di. And thanks Meg for sending that in. Yeah, Megs, you really sort of um, nailed that congratulations but damn you type act. She you know, has, hasn't she? It, it's, it's not like a bucket of full-blown envy, but it's not full-blown hearty congratulations either. She's very nicely and, and diplomatically sits somewhere in the middle. A, a passive-aggressive kind of pat on the back that's a little bit too hard, Andy? Yeah, yeah, and just soft enough so that it doesn't actually constitute any sort of serious assault. Yeah, <laughs> Just hard enough that its role as a gesture of kindness leaves the recipient questioning what actually it, was that? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what was the what, intent? What, what was that? I think, I think it's not quite right, but it's not quite wrong. And it's not quite assault. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. you know this one well, Fishos. Megs has got it nailed. Yeah, the doof-doof gets the buff-buff. You have to fish pretty light to get the bite. And then we saw it and I was like, you're kidding. Heart in my throat. I was like... <gasps> Don't get me wrong. It was good, but it was his third 97. Tales from the Tinny. Anthony Vallis, a.k.a. Uh, Ant-Man... He's a bloke who normally fishes a lot. Barra, reefies, billies, you name it, he's after it. But lately he's been pursuing, well, the fish less catch more technique. Or rather, try less hard, reap greater rewards method. Works every time. Try less hard, more equals more fish. Of which I'm a very big fan. I think we all are. Sometimes it's important to care and try less. And look what happens. Exactly. We've been through that. Remember university dating? Yes. Yep. Sometimes the less you care, the better it gets. I say yes. That's it. Yes, yes. Anyhow. Desperation. They smell it. (laughs) Mm. Back to Anthony. The, The latest fish to testify to the success of this method came last weekend in the form of a monstrous barra. He'd started by asking what made him avoid Shady and instead head further south. Oh, um, too many f***ing days spent out there in the conga line, mate. Um, but the real reason I went the other way was I went out to Shady last weekend on the big tides, just at the tide turn. Me and my mate said, oh, f- we'll just go out and fish the turn and come home, just do a quick one. Mm. I sort of haven't been doing too many long days. I've just been sort of trying to hit the turns. Well, I went out there and hooked another good fish. Like, I couldn't stop this one. I had both thumbs on the spool, and um, and it was coming up for a jump. And I was pretty certain it was a barrel. Like, I haven't felt threadies go that hard, and especially be that unstoppable. Yeah. And uh, some bloke watched me hook up, watched me fight this fish for about 10, 15 minutes. And then on the third run... It went across the channel, straight across the middle, and he just f-ing just drove straight over it and, and cut me off with his prop. Oh. So, and I was pretty aggro, but I, I can honestly say for myself, I handled it pretty bloody well. I for, for you. <laughs> you handled it well for you. <laughs> as you do, as you would. But, um, <laughs> I just thought, oh, well, I'm not going out there with twice as many boats or ten times as many boats again. So we'll just go have a crack. And I did well before Christmas out yeah, there at the same place. I got that big fish. So I thought, we'll give it a crack. Right. Um, and that's that's why I didn't head north. I decided to just head the other way. The fish in question, uh, Fishos, if you haven't seen it, it's on Faceake. Well, look, it's a, it's a substantial fish. Yeah, it's, well. It's a, big, yeah, it's, well, it's a big fish, man. How big did it go? Uh, it's, it went 120. It went 121-ish, but I'll just call it 120. Yeah. Cause it, <laughs> the sheer weight of it, I couldn't physically pick it up off a deck on my own. It would give me money to help me. And I can pick up a bag of cement piece of piss. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I'm a duck. 
I um, installed ductwork, sheet metal ductwork. Yeah. And I could pick up some <laughs> big ductwork and throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> I just physically could not pick this thing off the deck. I tried so hard and I just sent it to my mate and said, give me a fan, will you? It was, it was it, a beach ball. Could, Absolute beach ball. Yeah, your, your arms are only, yeah. what, in the photo, your arms are only like halfway around it, you know. Yeah. Been 120, 120 around the waist. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And I'm a big fella. I'm 120 kilos myself. So it, it shows you just how big that bloody fish really is. Rewind um, and, and tell me how the day started because it sounded like on this day you could do no wrong. No, it didn't at all. So we had to get in early, obviously because of the tides at Dundee at the moment, all that day, and with all the sand on the ramp. So we, we showed up a little bit early. Um, I said, we'll go to the artificial reef because I've done it right out there. And have a bait fish. So we shot out there first, vibed up a few blue salmon, stripped up them and chucked them down. And we had a, three jewies on the deck within, you know, 30 minutes. Oh. So that was a good start to the day. They're only about 80 centimetres, but that's good eating size. Yeah. And then the sun sort of come up and I hooked a shark and I was bringing up a shark about a foot long. These great big brassies showed up and tried to eat the f***ing thing. What, Brassy Trevally going a shark? Yeah, they tried to eat the shark, yeah, because these brassies were like 1,500 long. They were huge. Like, I've never seen them that big before. Holy crap. And there was, there was massive queenies in with them as well, like the same size. Like, everything was over a metre. Yeah, so there was a lot of flying fish around as well, so little baby ones. So it's good to see. There's a lot of bait out there as well. Yeah, um, nice. But we headed in about sun up and got there, and it didn't look good at all. There was so much fresh coming out. It was like six k's out offshore. And I thought, oh, f- it's just too much fresh, but we're here. We're going to give it a go. We are talking the f- 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 the, the the river. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Named. This is just 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 a kilometre outside the Finnis River, mate. That's okay. where we were we were we were playing around in the channel out the front. Great. Got in there and I started mucking around with the rods and stuff, playing drums and stuff like that. It was a bit of fun. Well, I saw this. This is um, I was going to mention this later. This is this is where <laughs> yeah. Rage Against the Machine had an impact on the, uh, the atmosphere on the boat that day. Uh, absolutely. First troll of the day and got the music going and I was like, you know what, no wobble, no gobble, they say. So I was just working the lures, playing drums with the rods, mate. Yeah, it's a great against machine. So we're feeling it. That's for sure. I mean, it's a classic song. You you got to have fun with it. Yeah, you're, you're using the rods like drumsticks, working your yeah, lures yeah. as you were trolling. That's nice. Yeah, driving at the same time. Yeah. And it was a good morning. It glassed out for us. 20 minutes later, we started hooking a few little uh, fish. We got one little thready. And then, you know, the, the typical action, the rod just bends back and just goes, and the, and the fish goes off. Well, when we trolled over the top of this fish, it grabbed over the lure and just didn't do anything at the start. It just hung onto it and was actually getting towed along by the boat. And uh, there was no drag coming off either. And I normally have me drag pretty tight to make sure you get a good hook up. My mate goes, you're on, you're on. And I'm like, nah, I'm f***ing snagged. And I'm looking down and then I see it just go boom, boom. And then it started peeling a bit of drag. And you, um, and you said exactly what? I just said, holy f***. Look at the size of that fish. <laughs> I think that's what everyone said on the boat at the same time because it had its whole head out and it was just shaking, 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 shaking. It was probably trying to jump, but I think it's like me after a few beers. Like, you know, I want to jump, but I'm just too f-ing big to. Just too big, yeah. No, no. Just too big to get out the water, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, it did a bit of a tail walk and then it, you know, it did that two or three times and. I knew it was a big fish, but I never expected it to be the butterball it was, that's for sure. It sort of went a little bit stale and just sat down the bottom for a bit after that while we were getting the bimney down, and and then we lucked it. The guy that netted the fish, I've fished with a lot. We've actually had a few early net shots on fish before. It's a good little trick. So considering the fish was coming to us with the current and, and not playing up a lot, so I just coaxed it up. Well, I'll say real gentle, but I was f***ing going for it. Like the fish was heavy. It was like picking up a cement bag off the bottom of the rod. Yeah, yeah. I just said, Matty, we're going to get a shot at this fish. You ready? And he's like, I'm f***ing ready. And I got it headed just on top of the water, and he scooped it first go. Wow. So it didn't even realise it was probably still hooked. And once it went in the net, it just went f***ing berserk. And lucky I've got a really good net. Once it landed on the deck, screaming at each other. 
there was some calls like, holy shit, it's 150. <laughs> <laughs> what was the tie window when you actually made that successful trial? Uh, so it was literally about 15 minutes right before the turn. Yeah, so the tide was going out. The sort of the current coming out of the finish and flat, the front sort of slowed right up. Yeah. And it, it just got really glassy and, and really smooth. And once you start seeing that bait rolling around, you know, you're on you're something that's probably going to happen, you know. You catch a lot of fish and you catch a lot of barra. But like, and I think for, for normal people, this would be a fish of a lifetime. Is it a fish of a lifetime for you? Oh, it definitely is. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, it was two years ago I got my first meter and I was I'm probably even more excited about that one. Yeah, it's definitely a fish of a lifetime. I can't see myself beating it in any, any time soon. And uh, dare I ask, how did you celebrate the win? Oh, look, mate, there was a there was a carton and a half in that esky and it didn't even last an hour, I don't think. <laughs> it didn't even touch the sides. <laughs> Definitely was a sable bob on the boat and that was allocated instantly. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't me and it wasn't me, mate. That's for sure they even netted the fish. So. But it didn't end there. We hooked another really good fish at the rocks in front of Dundee as well. That was real silver bullet that one it went absolutely psycho on the line it jumped about six or seven times a couple of meters out of water or a meter and a half out of the water so and then unfortunately on one of the jumps it went that hard that it broke two trebles and oversized strong trebles like upgraded trebles snapped them clean off on the jump so he ended up losing that one but that was um another bit of excitement too because that was the first troll past another set of rocks no, it was. It seemed like we really, really couldn't couldn't f- up that day. But in that saying, if it hadn't been for that big fish, well, it would have just been a, another day out there, I suppose. So, but that one, I'll remember that one. That's for sure. How much do you put your success down to the use of Rage Against the Machine on the stereo that day? Oh, it has to be a hundred percent. The doof doof gets the boof boof, that's what they say. Uh, yeah, and they don't mind a bit of metal either. <laughs> Good man. Congratulations. It is, it's, more than, it's more than a horse. It's more than a donkey. I don't know what you call that one when they're that fat. I've just been calling it a beach ball. <laughs> All right, well, here's to the next beach ball. Thanks, no for, worries, thanks mate. for chatting again. All right, take it easy. Catch ya. Wow. A beach ball. A beach ball with a mouth and a tail. What a spectacular description. Yeah, it is excellent, isn't it? And beach ball beats football, you'd think. Oh, yes, you? yes, yes. Congrats, uh, Ant-Man. What a fish. And an interesting side note, he reckons if there's a big fish within 60 metres of the boat, he'll pick it up on side scan, as you'd hope. But not this one. He has a theory that these big ones sometimes just nestle into the mud with their nose into the current, and you won't even see them in the sounder. Oh. They turn into... Beach ball mud skippers. <laughs> Theoretical, yes, uh, but we love theories on the Dinny uh, Ant Man. Uh, I also enjoyed Andy judging the fish by relative weight in comparison to a bag of cement. Sound, it's sound. A, a bag of cement, a bag of concrete, always a good way to judge a child's weight when you mm. pick them up. Oh, yes. mm. about a twenty kilo bag of cement there, a bit less than a bag of cement. And doing the same for Barry just makes perfect sense, Ant-Man. Tales from the Tinny. They trolled for sales and got hit with a thong every time they broke a rule. There's a barracuda <laughs> they brought up. But the worst sins call for the biggest beatings. That's Spilt a rum and dropped a fish there, I think. Subscribe to the podcast or reel it in anytime you like on the ABC Listen app. Well, as the hordes hit Sampan and Tommy and the like over the weekend, another bunch set their sights further south at the Daily, which was dropping from seven-odd metres to around six-ish, I think it would have been at, um, by Sunday. One of those uh, weekends where you well and truly face uh, the conundrum at the vortex of indecision at the turn off to the Arnhem Highway. Do I head to Shady? Do I head to Chambers? Do I head to South? Or do I keep going and head down the daily? One of those crews was Alex from Fishing and Outdoor World, though, who headed on uh, straight down and through Adelaide River and into the daily. Alex, you were in a position that many were in on on the weekend of which to go to. Uh, Was it worth it heading to the daily? 
it's, it's always got worth going to the daily. It's a beautiful river to drive down on. Um, I just absolutely love it. It's, it's peaceful. It's part of my stress therapy. Um, look, yeah, it was a toss-up. Go to Shady, join the Congo line, or go to Daly. Won't be that many boats, but the fishing might be a little bit harder because not enough rain. That's everybody's saying that. So, look, I, I enjoy any day on the water. This sounds to me like you were enjoying the serenity, which meant the fishing was slow, Alex. Absolutely slow. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, for starters, um, the high tide on Sunday, that particular Sunday morning was 3 a.m. at the mouth. So to be anywhere, you'd have to be on the water at least by 4 o'clock to get down to your spot from Elizabeth down um, to get that nice, clean, tan- tanning water coming out and the water slows up, so you can have an opportunity to catch some fish. But as it was, we got on the water at five. Yeah. Didn't get to our first spot till about six, so we're looking at about an hour already on the run out. So, oh, we, we, we did catch some fish. Not a great deal. Nothing to write home about. Um, but like it was, it was a great day on the water. It always is. But we do need a bit more rain around that area and bring the day back up again. Another flush would be great. So, Alex, let's just explain that theory for new um, fishers or those who haven't fished the daily or the big rivers at this time of year before. The reason you want to get to those um, creeks that you're fishing at the high tide is because the water's held back, everything slows up, the mullets start to come out, and therefore exactly. the bower are on. Yeah, exactly. And what I've found the last few trips I have been down the daily, when, when you've been at that mid-tide, some of those creeks are running dirty water and you won't see clean water until you hit the top of the tide. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's really much, you, you pick a creek mouth and you wait it out. You wait for that high tide to come in and wait for that clean water to come through and hopefully the barra and the bait will be there as well. So if you weren't able to get there till just after that high, mate, how, what, how was um, the colour of the water and, and how did it change as, as it started to drop through the tide? When it does start to drop, for some reason, that, that clear water just disappears and it's just dirty water running out. I mean, I, I went down a croc creek. Um, even at the, the bottom of the tide, there was still clean water coming out of it. But that was down at croc creek. Further upstream, yeah, the water would be rushing. It was dirty. You'd really have to wait for yeah. that tide to turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what river level, um, or what was it at, at the crossing on the Sunday? Well, it was 4.8 metres over the crossing when I went down on Sunday. That's that's prime, isn't it, in these little windows yeah. in the wet season when the rain stops and it, it drops to about that level. That's that's generally go time, yeah? Absolutely. From there on, yeah, it, it, it should be happening. But, yeah, we need more rain, unfortunately. We need more rain. Yeah, we're hearing that a bit out at Chambers, mate. What gives you that impression? Like, what are you seeing down at the daily that indicates we haven't had enough? Well, in the past, when we've had a really good wet season, I have noticed that clean water still coming out, even when the tide's dropping. Mm. That doesn't change colour. It's still that nice tanning water. Um, yeah, it's just at the moment, it's just not happening. Mm. And and what was working for the fish you did get? We were using the 100 mil squidgies um, at one creek. When we got there at 6 a.m., we did catch a few fish. I got a, a nice 70-75. Turned around to me, mate, says, yeah, look, this is how it's done, because they were catching all small fish, and then, because I was on my own on my boat, while I was frigging around with a landing net, um, yeah, the fish gill raked me. At Crock Creek, when I went, it was about 9, 9.30 in the morning, I heard the barra buffering on the surface, and I threw everything. I was almost just about to tie my bag to my rod to throw that in. In the end, it was a real shallow minnow, about two and a half inches long, on a dead slow retrieve with the slightest of um, switching on the rod, mm. and I managed to get two small ones. I, I just tell, I, I, I tend to tell customers, look, I give a, a lure 10 to 15 minutes. If I don't get a sniff or follow or anything, I switch it out and find something that's going to match the hatch. And unfortunately, that day it took a lot of bloody lures to find what they <laughs> wanted. So, and I actually left them buffing and put up with my mates, and I told them what happened. They go, so you left somewhere where they were fishing. I went, yeah, there was fish there, but go down and have a look and see how many you get. Yeah, they went and had a look, all right, and they came back and said, yeah, you're right. Oh, how we only made two little ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're thinking they were um, chewing on um, jelly prawns. Yeah, right at the 
surf, but just slurping them up. Um, so now I've actually got a couple of the little shrimps in about 2.75 inch <laughs> on my shelf now to take them with me just in case. For the next hit. And you look, you're privy, obviously, to a lot of hushed conversations in the shop, which... Which which is a little bit hard because there's only so many places to hide in there. But what are, where are people hitting mostly, and 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 what are you hearing across the board in this monsoon break? Depending on the tides, a lot of the people they do they are going to Shady Camp, fishing Sampan and Tommy's uh, on the Neeps. So there's the prime spot to be on the Neeps. So that's when I went down to the daily for the neat tides. So yeah, depending on the tides, mate. The big tides, uh, I like daily. On the neat, yeah, you're more often to go to Shady. The South, we're getting sporadic reports. Um, it's more of a hit and miss at the moment, and a lot of people are keeping their mouths shut, yeah. which I don't blame them. Like, everywhere needs a lot more rain, a lot more rain. One more thing I'd like to tell um, the listeners, make sure your boats and your trailers are all up to scratch, folks. It's paramount important to make sure everything's up to scratch. Heard of a few near misses, have you? I have, but I'm not going to repeat any. <laughs> <laughs> Name names, mate. There's a there's an MO on the tourney that if you don't own it, if you don't own your stuff up, someone else will own it for you. And now's yeah. your opportunity yeah. for to yeah. own it for those people who haven't volunteered the truth, Alex. <laughs> no, I think on this one I'll take uh, a leap out of the American law and go on the Fifth Amendment. See you, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. Take care. Bye. Well, that's it for us for another week, Fishos. Hey, Tim, did you see that another red tag went off? I didn't, actually. Just recently. Yeah, yeah, just recently. A fella called James Gunn Bologna. Uh, he was fishing Carl's Crossing. First cast of the day, they reckon. Oh, how sweet. Mm, J- James, is, is James a Jimmy, though? No, James uh, isn't a Jimmy. Some James is a Jimmy, nah, aren't they? No, nah, James is not a Jimmy. Jimmy's Jimmy. So is the rule that it has to be Jimmy on your birth certificate? No, you have to be referred to as a general rule by mates... You can be a James, but everybody's got to call you Jimmy. You've got to be known as Jimmy. This guy isn't. He's known as James. He's James, So yeah. he's not Jimmy. No, that's a fair test. You can be James as long as your mates refer to you and your family and everybody fair as test. Jimmy, then you're a Jimmy. Okay, good. Yeah, good yeah. good chat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks to Tavian, the drone fisho, uh, and Barra, a la bicycle man. Thanks to Don and Dominique. And to Megs and Di, to Tristan Sloan and Alex from Fishing and Outdoor World. And final thanks go to Ant-Man this week for giving us all just one wish for the weekend. To hook and land a beach ball with a mouth and a tail. And it was probably trying to jump, but I think it's like me after a few beers. Like, you know, I want to jump, but I'm just too f-ing big to. Have a good weekend, fishers, and get a beach ball <laughs> right on up. Yeah, can we get a get a beach ball sized mullet right on up? Yeah, <laughs> see you next week.